I want to know. Uh-huh. Is there a memorable moment in your life mm. when you were ashamed to admit to someone that you were into board games? No. You've never felt shame for being into board games. Not like when I say shame, shame's a really big word, right? And I think it's an important word to analyze uh in in the context of board games. But but like you've never felt like I don't want to tell this person I'm doing this. No. Not once. No, I mean, why would I be ashamed of it? It's not like I'm doing anything illegal or anything icky or whatever, is it? Of course not. But I think there's a certain social stigma that comes with playing board games sometimes. Or even like a certain level of kind of like, I don't want to tell this person I'm playing board games because then I'd have to explain the whole board game deal. Like, and they'll say, is it Monopoly? And you have to be like, yes, kind of like Monopoly, but actually, you know, slightly different. are you talking about safety? Because I think that's a different thing. Are you talking about shame or safety? Shame, no. Safety, maybe. Safety? Yeah, yeah. because uh, you, if you're anticipating a negative reaction mm-hmm. to something, that it's quite scary sometimes. That, right? You're right. That is... But that's not shame. That's, that's f- fear and needing to feel a but... sense of safety because they, the way that they may judge you and the way they may react to you and the way they may treat you might be very very different depending on who they are if you don't know them you you can't judge that you can't anticipate that so so in that sense yes but not shame but see for i think for some people and i want to hear from people Mm. uh you know who don't mind being candid about this Mm. right uh i think that sense of a lack of safety and shame can sometimes overlap i think it's the case for me sometimes where I cannot distinguish between the two. Now that you explain it, like I totally get it, mm. right? It makes perfect sense, right? But but I think for me, they sometimes overlap. I want to know if they overlap uh, for other people. And I want to know other people's stories. If they sometimes catch themselves, you know, like feeling shame uh, ar- around the hobby, you know, or as being part of the hobby. And, and, and that's, it's kind of, in line with, I think, maybe acknowledging it and by acknowledging it, maybe overcoming it slightly. We'll talk about shame and its association to board games more in a future episode. But right now, on this very episode of Talk Cardboard, a podcast about board games and everything adjacent, we have me, Elaine, and you. Me, the boy who won Terra Mystica again. On today's episode, we will be terraforming a mystic land in Age of Innovation. See what I did there? Uh-huh. Doing important science work in raising robots and playing a space del boy in sidereal confluence bifurcation. Did you just say a space del boy? Yeah, because you're wheeling and dealing and you know, ah, getting nice, trades. And... Nice, nice. That's a reference that's lost to non-English or non-British viewers. I, da- but... I mean, it's, I think, Only Fools and Horses is a famous enough show it's not the best show but it's well enough known i think worldwide if you disagree worldwide i don't mean (laughs) i don't mean worldwide i mean you know more than just in britain okay fair enough i don't believe that but sure let's talk about our first game Age of Innovation comes from publisher Capstan Games by Helga Ostertag with art by Alvaro Calvo Escudero and Lucas Siegeman Elaine, Terra Mystica is back. Can you believe it? I can, because of course Terra Mystica is back. It's a it's a, one of those perennial board games that's been around mm. for a while and and popular around our house, you know, although I, I am 
ashamed to admit it, that uh, it's been a while since I mm. broke out Terra Mystica. It's actually been as long as the release of the latest Terra Mystica expansion, which is season something. I can't... Boats, it had ships in it. But, like, yeah... I, I, it was so not memorable for me, that expansion, that I don't even remember exactly what it does, except that it added things sideways rather than I don't otherwise. remember what it does either. Yeah. No. Anyway, this is Age of Innova- Innovation, a Terra Mystica game. Uh, a title so bland, I, in a previous episode of the podcast, <laughs> confused it with Age of Industry. I thought it was called Age of Industry. Turns out, no, it's called Age of Innovation. Thematically, not much of a difference between if it was called Age of Industry or whatever. It's kind of it's kind of what it is. They basically took the somewhat risque setting of Terra Mystica, of, which is basically... Uh, race war uh with cults and priests sacrificing themselves to go up on tracks so it's now slightly family friendly because instead of temples and mm. uh sa- was is a sanctuary or something like that i can't remember what the name of the building you know how you now have schools and universities, universities and you have scholars that go and study things with books so mm. it's you know it's tamer it's not any more exciting, but it, it's it's tamer, right? I, I don't know if I want to say much about the previous setting of Terra Mystica because it's so abstract, it doesn't even make any sense. So I'm not I'm not gonna dive into that or delve deep into that. But 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 like it's been slightly rethemed. But here's the weird thing. So if and apologies to anyone who's not familiar with Terra Mystica, I'll explain what their game is in, in just a moment. But here's the thing that really kind of boggled me. I heard from every other reviewing outlet and just kind of public hubbub that, like, oh, this is pretty much Terra Mystica. And what I thought that meant, right, is that, oh, it's like pretty much Terra Mystica as in the same way that Gaia Project was pretty much Terra Mystica. I see. Like, there are changes, but, you know, it's broadly a similar game. And I should have paid more attention because when people are saying this is pretty much Terra Mystica, they really mean this is Terra Mystica Mm. with a few dials tweaked, a resource added and more variability, right? That's that's kind of it. Uh, And if you're familiar with Terra Mystica, that's all you need to know. This is a, a new edition of the game that you don't need to buy if you already own Terra Mystica. It felt like a sort of expansion, a little expansion to it. And that was it, really. At the price of... A whole game. A whole game, basically, yeah. Uh, So I I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who enjoys Terra Mystica on the level where they sometimes break it out. But of course, then I know that Terra Mystica has uh, quite a vibrant competitive community, or at least it used to have it when it came out. People were quite into, you know, milking that game for everything that it had. Uh, I don't know how long that persisted, whether it's still a thing. Um, I imagine people play it on, like, BGA or wherever mm-hmm. it is available online. Uh, but but this new version definitely offers something for those players because uh, the big change-up here is the variable player powers and st- starting setups and that kind of jazz. Yeah, um, that's that's a big change, that it starts differently. Yes. But then it feels very similar once you've done the starting bit. Yes. Uh, so what is Terra Mystica? Terra Mystica is basically, uh, uh, I think, 
a good introduction to the heavier side of Eurogaming. It is a uh, a highly competitive game, I would say. There's you, you certainly feel competition, and it's definitely not a game that's like heads down. I'm doing my own thing. Everyone else is doing their own thing. It's a thing that ha it's it's a game that has a map, and the map is uh, very important and interactive in terms of like positioning and where you put your pieces and where your opponents put your pieces. And the gist of it is that you each play... Where your opponents put their pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You each play a faction of some sort. So it could be goblins or you had psychics or something uh -huh. like that, you know. So I had um, some sort of seafarers or mm -hmm. something, you know. Like they're, they're no longer just fantasy races. They're more like kind of like... <laughs> a vibe jobs. thing yeah <laughs> jobs or maybe fantasy races you know and uh so you you have this faction and this faction will have a native terrain that they like to live on and they don't like to live on other terrain so no. if i live like on rivers i don't want any volcanoes or sand or in forests Green. any of yeah that <laughs> all that has to go away and i will terraform it into rivers because i can only build onto rivers and the way the game is done is that you want to build adjacent to your existing pieces because you're kind of forced to but the way the map is done is that like you have your terrain and then it's surrounded entirely by not your terrain and then based on what terrain it is it's harder or easier to terraform it um and the terraforming, that's where the real economy begins because the cost of it is quite expensive. Mm. But once you terraform it, you can build one tiny little workshop. And that, that workshop becomes, I think, still a trading post. I'm not sure what the new version of the building is called. And then it can go become a castle or it can become a school and the school can become a university. Except we didn't call them schools. We called them... Nipples. We did. And why did we call them Nipples. Because they were round and then they have a, had a round dot on the top. And we are children. We are. We are. Can, so. I, can I just say that there was a moment in the game where I passed around and I said, well, now I get 15 points. Mm -hmm. And our friend said, why do you get 15 points? Mm. And I said, because I got all my nipples out. <laughs> yeah, you did say that. Uh, we are children, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fun times at the No Pun Included household. Uh, and I guess that that also kind of brings us up to the asymmetry of it all. You know, Terra Mystica is one of the big games that popularized like really asymmetric player powers uh, in board games. I, I think it was definitely like a game that brought that to the forefront and the excitement of that because every faction had very different abilities and different ways to score points and try to achieve different things and build different buildings and had different synergies and strategies and all that kind of jazz and it, it all gets very bitty and very uh procedural and mechanical and it's about sequencing things at the right time but also like watching for opportunities what what other players do uh you know managing your economy uh and going up on tracks there's there's tracks in terra mystica if you don't enjoy tracks there's still tracks here. Uh, and so this new version has some new additions. One of the big things is that uh, it used to be that the faction that you got, uh, it determined what terrain you were on. Mm. Now you draft a combination of a faction and a randomly assigned terrain to it. And also a bonus tile, which kind of gives you a bonus for the round. Uh, and, and, and everyone does that. 
and it, there is an alternative way to distribute that but one that that was a big change because not only did it introduce more variability into the game suddenly like this faction could be on worse terrain or better terrain for example i got really lucky i was last in turn order so i got to pick my faction and uh terrain combo first and i kind of picked it on feel because i had the seafarers and they were like and you like blue and i like blue and 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 they were paired with the blue player board with the blue terrain with the river terrain and I was like, well, like, the, the sea people or whatever they're called, I can't remember what they're called, the, the boat, boat people, right? Like, that has to be good with, uh, you know, the increased shipping that this board provides me with. Mm. And it turned out it was amazing because it was just this very aggressive point generation, generation engine that I took all the way towards the end of the game and, you know, pushed it for all I could. And I did really well. You said better or worse terrain. I don't think you really meant that. I think it's more like synergy between yeah, how what they you pair get. Up. There, yeah. there is no kind of better or worse because mm. I think the board is pretty um, equal in where you start, um, what what your starting terrain is, and how easy or difficult it is but to get to the different with, terrains. So yeah, how faction, it pairs yeah. with your faction, yeah. So, so that's a big change. And uh, they also introduced some other changes, aside from renaming it and gussing up the art a little bit. Uh, there is uh, this new element of uh, books, which is a new resource. And this, these books feed into this new thing called innovation tiles, which is, again, more asymmetry, uh, like kind of powerful abilities that you get to uh, either you know do extra things on your turn like maybe get some precious resources like scholars which are again a resource that's hard to get but you can utilize them in many different effective ways like going up on tracks effectively or uh going up some other tracks effectively uh or you know like and i'm, I'm making that sound bland but actually in the game it feels quite impactful uh and you know so you could get something like that or you could get like a big point scoring thing that suddenly just like propels you along the victory yeah, point so track. Yeah, so some of some of them are one-off um resources or one-off point scoring. So it really makes a difference as to when you take that tile because mm. if if for example it's you're scoring schools, the amount yeah. of schools you've put out that you know from the start that the maximum is going to be say it's 5 points per school that you've put out. Mm. Uh you know that the maximum is going to be 15. Mm. right but if you've only got one school out when you take that tile then you're only getting five from it so you're not getting it at the maximum point scoring time for it so yeah so there is a lot to think about and some of them uh so some of the other ones have uh an income value on them so it might it depends when you take that too because maybe you want to take that earlier in the game because if you take that right near the end then you're not going to get much value out of it mm. so it is weighing up how many points you're going to be able to squeak out from each of these tiles, and and that was that was an interesting because uh, it, it was an interesting decision because there's only three spaces on each board for for those tiles, uh, and they cost a lot of books to get. And books are hard to get. Books are hard to get. They cost five books to get each, or mm. or potentially more, right? Because yes. because. Uh, the higher you go up, like the first one is free. The second one cost you, but didn't cost me because it was my faction ability, right? Yeah. And then the third one cost even more, like cost one more and two more or whatever. It yeah, was. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you, you know, it's it's very much like planning out how you are going to 
play your entire game before you play your first <laughs> round. Yeah, uh, and it requires this sort of like intimate familiarity with how these things will affect each other, each yeah, other, and the board. And yeah, stuff, w- w- yeah, what will you be able to do? And and actually, like I think it's very telling that Agent of Innovation is weirdly a full new game that is aimed at people who already own Terra Mystica and really like it that yeah. much that that they would buy another copy of this game because uh our friend Carly uh from gnarly Carly Games uh who played a lovely game of Age of Innovation with us go check her channel out she pointed out that the previous rulebook for Terra Mystica the original mm. Terra Mystica it had like a predetermined setup for a two three four five player game mm-hmm. Depending on how many, like, if you're playing the first time, play with these factions, place your starting pieces in these places, you know, just kind of everything mapped out for you so you can sit down and actually play without worrying about how fair is this to everyone, Mm. you know, Uh, and that does not exist in this new version. It just goes, right, do a faction draft, uh, last person to go picks first, and, you know uh pick well right Mm -hmm. like oh okay uh but how do i know Mm -hmm. so i had a like i had a feel that this was going to be a good combination because like i've played you know terra mystica before quite a few times and that worked out well for me right but 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 if you haven't that's such a daunting proposition for a first time player and the alternative like kind of you know faction distribution thing that's even for like more advanced play so Mm -hmm. don't touch that right uh it's quite daunting and it's quite aimed at people who are familiar with this system or maybe, you know, like Terra Mystica before, but then kind of, you know, passed on the copy to somewhere else and are now maybe thinking, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get into Terra Mystica again. I think I think it's for people like that. Yeah. Um, and because it's language independent, uh, when you are presented with a lot of symbols and pick pick something uh, and you haven't played the game for a long time, it is quite difficult to work out what these symbols all mean together and how they're going to help you win the game. It is. Having said that, I had a well of a time. I, I had a really good time with this. It reminded me why I like Terra Mystica. And it was good to play with someone uh, who also enjoys Terra Mystica very yeah. much. Uh, yeah. So that was like a nice vibe. There was a room of Terra Mystica appreciators enjoying the new version. I think you're and, right. Yeah, yeah. You, I think it's it's good to play with people that already like Terra Mystica. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I think that does help. Um, did you had how, how do you feel about this versus like Gaia Project or would well, would you would you rather play this like if so yeah. say so I mean we have all three mm. right S- which would you rather play? Well, this is the age old debate, right? Mm. Like. Uh, I I don't think that the Terra Mystica expansions or the various promos that I've collected over time uh, have added anything to it that is so monumentally uh, game changing that mm-hmm. would you know make me pick that over Age of Innovation. So Age of Innovation over Terra Mystica, right? Mm. But but Terra Mystica versus so let's say like this is the new Terra Mystica mm-hmm. and just, let's just say this is Terra Mystica. Yeah. Age of Innovation is Terra Mystica. And then is that better than Gaia Project? Well, that's the age-old debate, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, and there are people who are strict Gaia Project and then there are people who are strict Terra Mystica. I'm a both person. I'm mm-hmm. one of those people who has both copies because kind of ha- sees 
uh, a value in in either version. If you're not familiar with either version, Gaia Project is kind of like the sequel to Terra Mystica. Uh, in it's space. in space with really notoriously terrible artwork. Uh, is it? Yeah, is it notoriously terrible. Artwork? Yeah, you no, know, it, it 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 is. It is. It's it's okay. it's bad. It's it's <laughs> but it's not good. Art is subjective. It is, but that I think that took a step too far into. <laughs> Almost trying to be zany, but not quite good enough to be zany, so it just looks bad. I like the box cover. Sure, okay, but I don't... It just looks... I think... Okay, my verdict on the Gaia Project artwork, ultimately, uh, is that it is naff. But it reminds me of, uh, you know, All Your Base Will Belong To Us, like the, the beginning of the... the. Uh... That's That's not known for its, like... Art. Like, you know, when the yeah. guy is sitting in the yeah. cockpit of the yeah, yeah, aircraft yeah. airship. It's, it's definitely got that vibe on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that about it. So, basically, Terra Mystica in space, but but functionally different because it, it added a lot of new uh, ideas to it, like federations replacing mm. cities, which mm. work very differently. Uh, and then the space actually being a function because the map is no longer, like condensed by every spot could be someone's spot but actually there's a lot of gaps and you have to like traverse through those gaps so uh, and and most importantly it added technologies and tied them to the tracks right Mm. uh and so now your advancement on these tracks which before just kind of you know a race for points and maybe some uh marginal advantages you know uh that that was a big feature so Age of Innovation added some of that. Now there is a reason to advance onto the tracks because they they provide you with some income uh, of of a resource. Of, it's nowhere near like Gaia Project where advancing on the right track was, you know, crucially important for your strategy or whatever. Mm. It, it, it is more abstract again. So, so Age of Innovation took some of those, but, but Gaia Project was also known for being quite a bit more convoluted than Terra Mystica. Uh, so I don't know when I when I want a heavier Terra Mystica, I want the Gaia project. When I want the smoother Terra Mystica, I got Age of Innovation. Mm. And old Terra Mystica, I don't think there's a reason for it to be now. I guess there's, you know, the expansions added a bunch of factions and variability, and then the seafarers thing. I wasn't a fan of that, but I know some people again in the Terra Mystica community who are Terra Mystica buffs also enjoy that. It it wasn't a big thing for me. It didn't really change up the game in important ways that made it interesting to a to a more casual player but, but yeah i i still don't have an answer for you i think for me it's still when i want a a cleaner version i'll play age of innovation and when i want the clunkier but kind of more nitty gritty and 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 more strategic and tactical version i'll play gaia project mm. uh, because the the factions in gaia project are still really very funky and mm. very out there and they kind of offer a different experience um yeah there's no clean cut for me i'm sorry but i again i want to reiterate i like this game a lot i i i really enjoy it i i think it's a great example of what a good heavy euro game is to people who've never played a heavy Euro game, but, you know, play things like Castles of Burgundy mm. or whatever and kind of want to explore that territory of, like, 
well, what's deeper? So you've got Great Western Trail is great, great for that. And you've got Terra Mystica. And Great Western Trail is a bit more heads down and a bit less interactive, but still interactive. Whereas Terra Mystica is quite highly interactive, but still has that sort of demure thinky quality to it. It is interactive in the way that you are fighting over stuff and desperately hoping that someone is not going to do the exact thing that you want to do and uh, mess up your plans. Like they're not going to take the the tile that you they're not going to be able to spend their books. You're you're constantly looking at what resources the other players have mm. because you're thinking have have they got enough books to be able to do this? Have they got enough cubes to be able to build? Have they got do you know what I mean? Like to, yeah, yeah. to terraform and and build, um, and you're you're wondering it's it. I mean it is a race, right? Mm. It's a, a but also like when you. Uh, terraform and you build things you might be giving a bonus to uh, other players too right so where do you want to terraform and how easy is it for you to terraform somewhere uh versus will i be giving them a bonus for for doing this here so yeah it is it is quite interactive um but in a very mean way (laughs) in a mean but also simultaneously demure way because it's not like it's very passive aggressive it's like would you like some of this good stuff? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the power, but mm-hmm. ah, it costs you victory points. Talking uh, of which, talking of which, I finally managed to get my head around the bowls. Yeah. The three bowls. What I really liked about Age of Innovation, actually, is that uh, the board is dual layer. So there's cutouts. Uh, so the pips in the bowls don't like whiz off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're quite neatly contained. Um, and I, yeah, I managed to actually figure out with help um how that worked you've always had uh some struggle with the bowl mechanism with yeah, the power I had a bit mechanism of a mental yeah. block on on that yeah uh, you, you're not the only one i know some people really kind of like it's just unintuitive to people how that works it is, right yeah but you know it's funny because when i figured it out or like when you helped me when you mm. both helped me figure it out i was like why did i ever find this difficult this is easy <laughs> so so you know it was a bit like learning a language or something i guess right yeah like, like at first you'll struggle 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 and you're like i'm never gonna get this i have no idea how this works i've tried and tried and tried to learn this and i couldn't and then suddenly it clicks it's like getting the f chord on the guitar for the first time right <laughs> i guess yeah yeah, yeah so, or any chord for that matter of fact <laughs> Um, yeah, and then the more you do it, you go, well, why did I ever struggle with this? Yeah. So so that was good. I, I managed to figure that out and I didn't need help with that every every time I needed it this this ter- this uh, game. So I, I really enjoyed Age of Innovation. I forgot how much I enjoyed Terra Mystica because we haven't played it for a long time. Um, or, or Guy Project, we haven't played it for a long time. And I very much enjoyed, I enjoyed the drafting quite a lot, actually. And although it doesn't change the game up a huge amount it adds like a little bit more variability and choice in what you're getting and Mm. and it it gives you a little bit more agency i i feel as well right at the beginning i mean yeah until until you learn the game quite well because at first you were like exploring but then you're like i think when you get around to familiarizing yourself with the pairings and what that pairing means and you're like oh, I'm first in turn order, which means I get to pick these last, which means everyone's going to get this good stuff and I'm going to end up with the duff pairing, right? Although it was, it was nice in a three-player game that there were like seven pairings, right? So actually, even the last player got a lot of choice hmm. in terms of what they got to pick. 
that was quite good. And the other, and this is again probably relevant to people who already know Terra Mystica. The other cool bit was that, uh, like all the pairings had the bonus tiles as well, mm. and only the pairings that got picked their bonus tiles go into the game, mm. and then the free bonus tiles that weren't assigned to the pairings also go into the game. So every faction that doesn't get picked, you're kind of eliminating the bonus tiles that mm. go into the game. And that was very, very peculiar. And I think what why I was really lucky is that I also got a bonus tile on my faction and on my like terrain pairing that was the perfect bonus tile mm. to be in mm. the game because it literally rewarded me for placing workshops in the same way that my faction did so it was a double up on uh that yeah oh i was breezing (laughs) through that game there was a round where i had like both and it was the round that also rewarded me for building dwellings and i built like i think six and Uh everyone was upset with me like I wasn't even playing an interactive game at that point. I was just like, "It's my turn. I will build." That an- was heads down. Yeah, I'll build another thing, and everyone just goes, "Oh, uh, is it yeah. my turn?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I said to Carly actually, it's a game that uh, you feel either the turn comes too quickly, yeah, right? and you're still like, I have no idea what I need to do. I'm still planning this out. Like, please let me give me some time to plan this out. Or the turn does not come quick enough and and you you are desperate for it to be your turn so you can do the thing that you really need to do or want to do before someone else gets in your way of doing it Mm. so i i never quite felt like oh good it's my turn i'm exactly ready to do what i want to do do you know what i mean yeah Uh, (laughs) Uh, and i think with that in mind what one final thing that i think this new version brought to me was this sense of sometimes being able to go more askew in terms of like what you're doing strategy wise Mm. so Uh, Because I had options of getting rewards for more esoteric things in this game, via these innovation tiles and books and stuff like that, I could kind of forego the sensible thing of like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll make a city because that'll give me lots of points and whatever. Like, instead of doing like weird esoteric things for the entire penultimate round of the Mm. game and finding that I've actually benefited a lot, saved a bunch of resources for the last round where I could get like rewards for founding a city. So like, yeah, it it gives you more ways to navigate the game that are a lot more subtle and not more, not like evident from the beginning, but are there and let you be a bit, you know, wild and crazy with it. I uh, clutched defeat out of the jaws of victory. Um, and I think it was all it was all down to the penultimate round because mm. I think I misplayed the penultimate round. So going into the ultimate round, I did not have enough resources to do anything that I needed to do. And then I misplayed the ultimate round, the last round, and came last. Yeah, which is a shame because you were leading the pack uh, yeah, for like the entire game. Yeah, like two-thirds of the game. Like yeah. Probably three-quarters of the game, two-thirds of the game. I was, uh, yeah. I, you were I, significantly I, ahead. I felt good as well in my position. Like, I yeah. felt like something was happening. I knew what I was doing. I knew what my plan was. I could achieve the uh, round goals, mm. you know, or, and I, because the round goals aren't secret. And I really like that about this game. And I know that was in Terra Mystica too, so it's not a new yeah. thing. But but something that... that this game does that other games sometimes don't is it tells you exactly what all of the round goals are going to be uh for the eight rounds right there's eight six. rounds six rounds yeah. sorry um so you even if you think okay well i'm not going to be able to achieve this this round but maybe i can get it 
next maybe I can get the one next round and mm. you build up to that instead right and then because some of them give you quite a lot of points there is quite a difference in the amount of points that you can get for them um so that that was really neat and I I felt like I did that well uh I felt like I was going really well and then it all just came crashing down I maybe I just got to um Confident, confident, yeah, maybe. yeah hubris. Maybe. I, I think there were a couple of times that I hubrised a little bit, yeah, because uh, I thought, well, this is a bit of a gamble, but you know, I'm okay, I'm doing all right, and then it did not work out. Yeah, you can never take your foot off the pedal, no, in Terra Mystica. <laughs> no, yeah. you can't. Y- even when you're doing well, you have to maintain that kind of constant momentum of of I need to account for all my resources. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to account for like where I'm going to score for yep. this or that, and what you know, I, I and I that's still there. But what I like about this new version is again the innovation tiles let you be a bit more loose with how you approach these yeah. things you still yeah. need to be you know as tight as ever but like there's more avenues for you to go into different directions so all in all i i think i think this is a great new version of Terra Mystica. Mm. i don't think anyone needs to buy this if they own Terra I agree. Mystica. yeah yeah it's it's not gonna change your game significantly mm-hmm. uh, but if you don't own Terra Mystica and you have been interested in Terra Mystica or age of innovation i think yeah it's 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 good. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. good. It's top it's tier. It's a fun time. Top tier heavy Euro game for me. Let's move on to a game where we are, I think we're children making robots. So Raising Robots comes from publisher Navu Games by designer Brett Sobel and Seth Van Orden with art by Victoria Fayado and Howard McWilliam. There's this old axiom of like either be better, bigger or different. Uh-huh. Now, when I got a copy of Raising Robots, I had a pretty good impression that the game is in a very similar space to Wingspan. Mm. And Because why? Because it's a tableau builder where you have three rows of cards and uh, those three rows of cards, you play into those rows, the, rows, the cards sequentially. Mm-hmm. And then when you activate the space... All the cards activate from left to right. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's like the same principle as Wingspan. Robot Wingspan. Robot Wingspan. Cute, adorable robot Wingspan. Mm. I mean, one of my robots, and I say this with so much pride, mm-hmm. but one of the robots I built was a washing machine. Yeah, I saw that. It was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and and so where, where the art department is you know in bang question oh. it's it's no no it's like yeah the answer is it's bang on right yeah. like it's the art is superb in this game and whimsical and funny it is functionally very different from wingspan mm. and i don't think it has the same mass appeal as mm. cute birds mm. you know not just cute birds but like gorgeous illustrations real yeah real birds yeah mm. gorgeous illustrations of birds this is more cutesy and cartoonish mm. and has a very different vibe. But the art is good. The robots are adorable. They're funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I like a lot of them. And they've all got sweet names as well. Yes. So so you, you are not collecting birds. You are building robots, but you are collecting robots, putting them in a tableau in one of three rows and then activating that row to do all the things that the robots do to give you more things so you can put more robots down etc etc right now it is different i guess i i'm just not sure it's better or bigger than wingspan because first of all nothing can be bigger than wingspan that's 
I think that game has that part cornered, right? And when it comes to better, I don't think it is better than Wingspan because what it's trying to do is it's trying to have a design conversation with Wingspan and to say, like, we're, we're taking the chassis of Wingspan, but we're putting an entirely different engine. We're putting, like, you know, like an 8-liter turbo engine that's going to have 17,000 horsepower or whatever. I don't know what horsepower is. I, I don't know how that works. It's not one horse. I, I, you learn this. It's seven yeah. horses. Or whatever. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know what horsepower, how much horsepower is good or bad, but like a lot of horsepower. Uh, and And to make all of that work, we are doing a lot of fiddly stuff within that chassis you know like chassis chassis, mounting the engine with like seventeen thousand wires one Mm -hmm. wire for each horsepower you know Mm -hmm. and and kind of you know spreading them all across the car (laughs) and this analogy has gotten out of hand it's it's gone wild hasn't it yeah it it has like a wild horse yeah (laughs) nice thanks uh it's basically i don't think it's unfair to say this is more convoluted wingspan but 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 like in a realm where it's more thinky and more um, heads down and more kind of like, I'm trying to make this thing work. Nobody mm. interrupt me, please. Mm. Right. Yeah, it is very heads down. isn't yeah. it? I had no idea what you were doing or how well you were doing no. or how you were using your resources, what your robots were, anything. Yeah, I was just doing my own thing. And I you just, were doing your own thing. I just had to stop you at one point and say, have a look at this washing machine robot. Yeah. And yeah. you were like, oh, that's good. Mm. And then you moved on to your own thing. Uh-huh. And I was doing my own thing. And yeah. that was the entire game. And at the end of the game, we compared some scores. Now, having said that, there is one thing that it adds that is very functionally different from Wingspan. And that is the race for the galaxy mechanism of selecting what actions are going to be available this round. Mm. So mm. there are like five possible actions. Mm-hmm. One is to play robots. Mm-hmm. The other three is to activate the rows of robots. Mm-hmm. One for each row. Mm-hmm. And the final action is the upgrade action, which I'll explain a little later because it, it kind of, it's it's unique to this game, mm. I think. Um, and, and so the way you select those is that you draw these like energy cards and then you assign two cards to these energy cards that represent the two actions that you want to do but then these energy cards might also distribute energy cubes onto this action which might give more energy to other players and and it gets it gets kind of weird and very hard to predict Mm. it's like a less clean mechanism of race for the galaxy race for the galaxy you just select like some some phases or like one, and that's the phase that you get to do. And other players select some phases, and whichever phases got selected, you know that's what all players get mm. to do. Here, you might be able to do some of the phases that other players selected, but maybe not. And then the ability that, like your ability to function within those phases, also depends on what the other players do or don't do, or select yeah. or don't select. Yeah. Uh, and. And it gets very unpredictable and convoluted. And the result of that I found to be is that I will hedge my bets in terms of I really need this. And then if something else happens, that's not in my control. Mm. And so we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, you said you had a very sort of singular path, a very singular thought of how you would 
achieve victory. Yeah. So I had like I had a scoring card that I got at the beginning of the game. It says, well, you'll score extra points if you achieve this. So I was like, okay, that's plan one. I looked at the cards that I got dealt at the beginning, the robots that would help with that plan. And then mid game through the game, I I got another scoring card and like, I was like, well, that's plan two, right? Mm. And I executed those two plans to the best of my ability and that won me the game. Mm. Now I noticed that you, you went for like a third scoring card in the game. Like, you know, because my, my scientist, mm. uh, they're, initial ability was to take two scoring cards rather than one yes. and then i got a third because that's what happens halfway through the game so i had three mm. and i didn't do as well with the three as you did with the two and also my scientist ability is that it gives you one level higher up so say say you need to collect um green robots right mm-hmm. you, you want robots on the green line um if you have, say, I'm making this up, but say you have two, you get three points. If you have three, you get four points. Uh, my ability meant that if I only had the three, I would have still got the the one above, like the four points for yeah. having three, for example, right? Um, so, yeah, and I still, I still didn't do very well with it. And I don't know, like, I enjoyed the game, right? It was a fun game. In, in comparison to Wingspan, I would see why some people would like this more because mm. it... You know, it it does have a lot more meat on the bones, you know? Like, uh, so now you don't just play a card and it does something, right? It functionally has two abilities that activate based on how much energy you got for that phase, for that round, uh, which, again, is dependent on what you select and what the other players select and what upgrades you've gotten. But then you can also... So you have the fifth action block which is upgrades which like you spend the very precious resource mm. and they are precious because yeah, oh, like super precious yeah. it's, it's very punitive in that way like it is so when you can convert resources for example you can only convert one resource at a time so even if you have 10 of the starting resource uh, uh, and so say you have 10 sensors right and the conversion is sensor into command line yeah you can still only convert one of those. Yeah. You can't convert all 10, even if you need the command line resource. Mm. Like, it's very punitive in that way. And car- getting cards was really tricky. Yeah. So I, I, I had some nice cards. I was like, convert this one resource into free duct tape. But like, and duct tape is the wild resource. Yes. So I was like, okay, this works. I'll keep doing that a lot, you know. Semi-wild resource. Yeah. Semi-wild resource. No, not true let's, wild. Okay, let's, <laughs> There's two let's different not, wild resources. Let's not get into the weeds <laughs> of it. Uh, so... No, but that, I'm, I'm just kind of reiterating how convoluted it feels. In well, that okay, if, if you want me to get more convoluted, it is the wild resource because the other true wild resource isn't the wild resource, it's the cost, right? So, like, <laughs> it, that's what you can... Anyway, it, it, it doesn't matter. Um... What's important is that the reason you would upgrade is because you get to take pips off and they power up like one thing on your board, but then you get to put it on a card, on a robot card, and it adds like an alternative ability that you can do instead, which is often better or activates with less energy, mm. right? So so each card, unlike in Wingspan, where the mm. card just does what it does, each card can be upgraded. So that's mm. like already a layer of complexity, right? But these upgrades, where they come from, right? They also unlock something. So that is another thing that you manage, mm. right? 
and then on top of that, these upgrades could go on your scoring card, which would power up that scoring card. Mm. They could go on your asymmetrical ability that you get at the beginning of the game. It powers up that. Is that important? Who knows? You can't upgrade everything. There's too many upgrades, right? Mm. And, and so th there, that's already a layer of bittiness that you know wingspan just doesn't have then on top of that you you know you have that whole fifth action right so again that's another thing to manage mm. on top of that you have that variable face selection from race for the galaxy but a lot less predictable than mm. race for the galaxy because it has a lot of like levers with this energy and what energy means to you and how much you can, can you gamble what bet can you take you mm. know um and, and on top of that you know like it has uh resources that you know mean different things and mm. there's what yeah like it, it is it is a very bitty game and thus it creates an incredibly busy board mm. there's so many kind of little tokens flying around and um you know so many symbols and so many like dials and levers that you can pull that it it looks first of all it looks messy mm. Apart from the art that looks, you know, like the vibes, great, right? But the presentation, it's, there's something about the aesthetic functionality of, of your play area that is just overloaded. Yeah, I don't think I have anything to add to that. I, I totally agree. Like, it, it is very overloaded. Like, I, I complained to you that uh, the spaces that hold the resources weren't big enough to hold more than a couple of resources. And you said, well, just stack them on top of each other. But I'm quite clumsy, right? So I'm liable to knock them off. So that kind of doesn't work for me. Um, and everything felt like it was everywhere. And on, on top of that, you know, there is a luck element, uh, like any game that you're drawing cards, that whether you're going to get a card that, is useful to you. I mean, you can use the card as a wild resource, mm. right? Um, but they are hard to get, right? So, so when you do draw them, you're really hoping that there's going to be one of those cards that you can use rather than just using it as a resource. And I didn't get the cards that I needed. Um, so, but there is always an element of luck. So I think you mentioned a number of things that to me are like i'm gonna say interesting but that's not necessarily a positive and what i mean by that is that like there, there's a bunch of elements here and and all of them feel like i said before like a conversation design wise with wingspan as in perceived flaws of wingspan i, I don't even know what those are but like they feel like they are like you know oh a card is now a resource right so you can mm. spend that as as maybe a resource when you can pay a wild resource mm. so you know oh okay so that maybe lets you do something with a card right and that on the face of it sounds nice and interesting but the game is loaded with these elements like these sort of like design conversation elements that are trying to maybe perceivably fix whatever you know issues someone had with wingspan that played wingspan a lot or whatever you know there, 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 it feels like there is a lot of answers in this game that it might not be particularly interesting to someone who isn't experienced with wingspan to begin with so i think when i said mm. you know be bigger be better or be different right was well, clearly not different right it's clearly not bigger because you can't be bigger than wingspan <laughs> so is it better i think it's trying to be better 
it's trying to be something for someone who's played wingspan and went well this isn't quite doing it for me i need something meatier mm. right so here it is it's meatier but but for most people i think you know just if you're interested in wingspan just get wingspan right and unless you've really played this out or you have f- friends who really enjoyed wingspan but you don't like wingspan and it's like you like a meteor game maybe this is a way to get your friends into that sort of meteor game space yeah i i didn't have as much of a problem as you did with the the energy randomness and the action randomness mm. i think i i found that quite interesting because there was like you said you know there were things that okay i definitely need to do this on mm. this turn so this is what I'm gonna. This is the card I'm gonna play, and to the best amount of energy that I have, so that I can definitely do it. You know, mm. the best I can. Um, but then there were actions that I was like, well, you know, if if this comes up, this would also be useful, and this is what I can do with it. Um, so you're thinking about not only what actions you want to take, but what else might come up. Mm. And I quite enjoyed that. I think it was all right. Like what bothered me, I think, is that because the game is so punitive with resources and it wants you to be so incredibly precise, it's hard to be precise when you don't know what's available to mm. you. Right. So you cannot make like these sort of plans of like, I'm going to do this, no, and I'm going to sure, do that. Yeah. And and I think if you were able to, it might even speed the game up because there were moments where like, like, okay, now it's this space. And I'm like, wait, I need to think now because things have changed. Well, the rule book says that you can take all the actions at once. Like uh-huh. you don't need to wait for the other. You don't need to say, okay, we're in the upgrade phase now. Yeah. We're in this phase now. We're in that phase now. You can just do all the actions that you can do as long as you do them in the right order. That mm. you just do all the ones that you can do. No, I get but, that, but, but it made me feel like I'm calculating one time, and then the cards get revealed, and then I need to recalculate everything. Mm. Right, so I'm doing the calculation twice, effectively. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Overall, I did not not enjoy this game. Uh, mm. I had a nice time playing it with you, but I'm not burning to play it again. No, it's it's not exactly... The genre is not my jam. I think I've learned that when it comes to this tableau building, lots of cards genre, I much prefer leaner than meteor. Uh, I, I had issues with Ark Nova as well, and, mm. and I know a lot of people love that game, and that's cool, you know? But for me, this felt like work... Like a lot of work, For you not know. A lot of return. For not a lot of return. Yeah, I, yeah I felt like I was expending a lot of brain power to get like, like one resource. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I was like, this. I'm I'm not sure I'm gelling with this. But like when we go leaner to games like Forest Shuffle, I'm just suddenly like, like all that extra rules crafting calculation goes away, and I get to just enjoy like these silly card combos and putting them together and going, ah, look, you know, rabbits and foxes. Points. <laughs> nice. See, that's the other thing. There wasn't really card combos. Like, it didn't really matter that much what you had previously played. Oh, no, it did matter for me. So uh, I I played a card that gave me processes, and then the card after that converted processes into duct tape, and then the card on a different row converted duct tape into victory points. So that was a freeway card combo I that see. kept cycling yeah. and cycling and making me victory points. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe I just didn't get that from yeah. the cards that I had. My, the cards that I got were completely, like, different. None of them worked with each other very well. And because it's so difficult to get cards you can't sort of go well i'm just going to discard these and get like a bunch more right Um, i mean there is one action that will let you discard cards to get more you're right there's just not a lot of card draw in this game that requires you 
to like there's one action that lets you bin your cards yes. and draw like one that many plus one yeah. extra but again having to rely on that action is kind of difficult and i found that that action spot wasn't great for generating your engine anyway so it was no. more like ancillary stuff that might help you along the mm. way uh and and yeah like the the cards that really made the meat happen were in fabricate and recycle because like in fabricate i got to make things and in recycle i got to take the things i made and make them into things that were either better for me or mm. victory points and and so like i had like from the get-go i had in my starting hand these three cards and i was like well that's an engine to make victory points what was funny is that i got the duct tape but because the duct tape was the wild resource <laughs> i was like no i can't spend it on victory points i need i need <laughs> i need it for something else and like half the time the the engine didn't fire because like i needed to duct tape something else in in the uh in the robot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just duct tape the robot. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Because we're kids and it works. No, so thematically, it's it's it works. It's nice. It's got really lovely art that I found was charming and endearing and, and funny at times. You know, uh, I think... I think the game works and mm. I think it achieves what it wants to be, which is like a meteor wingspan. I'm just not sure it's meteor in the way that I find interesting or that like I need in my life. If I want wingspan, I'll just play that. Uh, and it's funny because I think since, since this game came, like this game came out and then maybe a month later, they announced Wormspan, which is the meteor wingspan from the people who made wingspan. So that's kind of, I don't know where it puts this. It's probably still going to be meatier than Wormspan, but... We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. This seems to be like the remake episode, Efka, because the next game, our last game, is Sidereal Confluence Bifurcation. Did I say that right? Yes, you Which did. comes from publisher WizKids by designer Tauseti Dykeman with art by Quan Chai Moria. Elaine. Yeah. Elaine. Yeah. Elaine. Yeah. I finally got to play the Sidereal Confluence expansion. Hooray! I'm so happy. <laughs> I am so happy. Is it minimum four? Uh, it's minimum three, but I wouldn't minimum play three. this. I wouldn't okay. play this with three. I think four is an okay number. Mm. Five, I think, is the good number of players for Sidereal Confluence. We played it with six. Yeah, we did. Because we're, we're like that. Yeah, we're like that. Not like cool, but just we're just like that. Awkward like that. Yeah, 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 we are. It did not fit onto our table. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mess. <sighs> I don't know how to begin this. So let me just be bluntly honest. Sidereal Confluence is my favorite game of all time. And Sidereal Confluence Bifurcation is an expansion that I had for two years that I didn't get to play because... You know, the world had things going on in it and you don't want six people trading cubes in a room necessarily. No. You don't want six people breathing in the same room. Yeah, you know. But anyway, you know, it, it didn't feel like, even though it was my favourite game, it was, you know, justifiable at certain <laughs> times. But whatever, you know, it's 2024 and we, we were like, it's time, it's time. It's time to do it. It's, And so I sprung this on my friends mm who were unsuspecting of this event happening. <laughs> well, were they, though? Because they know that how much you like that game. Some people were new to the idea of Sidereal Confluence, and, and that was the most fun part, because mm. we didn't just play Sidereal Confluence, we played Sidereal Confluence Bifurcation. So this is a weird, weird game 
that I really love that is quite convoluted and messy. And then to add to that weirdness, we added an expansion that makes it weirder and, and more messier. convoluted and messier. Mm -hmm. And we introduced <laughs> two people who've never played it. One person who's played it the one time. And also there was another player who, who who's played it a few times like we have. And, and then there was you and me. Yeah. Do you know what? The, the next morning I woke up, I thought, oh, no, I'm sick because my throat was so dry like uh -huh. really super dry and like my voice wouldn't come properly and then i realized no it's because you've been shouting at other like not shouting <laughs> but like to do trades you've been trying to do trades for like four hours or whatever how long did we play that game for a long time it was a long time a long it time was many hours uh, and i have been shouting this whole time uh no, 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 give me the thing. I'll I'll do the thing if you do like this, right? So mm. that's why my throat was bad the next day. If you're not familiar with Sidereal Confluence, it is our game of the year for the year 2017. It, it is a trading and negotiation game. Uh, uh, the gist of it is that you are each playing a space faction in a galactic forum, which is all about advancing together and propping each other up and becoming the best space space to do space the way you want to be, do space. Yeah, you want mm. to do space, right? Mm. So uh, with that in mind, you are trading for a cavalcade of various different resources with incredibly asymmetrical factions. Mm. And then uh, the second half of each round is uh, like this point resource conversion Euro game engine thing. <laughs> Um, that is unique to you because what you're doing is completely different from what other players are doing. And uh, the original game had nine factions. Mm. So Bifurcation introduces nine more factions, except it's the same factions, but each faction has an alternate, like, kind of offshoot. Mm. Uh, so, for example, I was playing the Imdrill and I was kind of sad because that faction is, I, I find one of the hardest factions for me to play, mm. you know, uh, and their whole thing is that they start really strong mm. because they, they have these really good conversion engines, but they're limited as to how many they can run because they have fleets uh, and those, the, each converter has fleet costs. So, uh, the original Imdrill could get more fleets as the game went on. Uh, th this Imdrill had five fleets for the entire mm. game. That's it. You don't get no more. But you get these factories, which upgrade other players' colonies, which probably other players because your colony limit is zero which are planets which all also generate resources but without having to input anything so you know other players should want them but because they generate one thing every turn they become less and less good as mm. the game goes on so there's immediately a question of like okay so i'm very limited but i have these this good start right? But now I'm more limited, but I have another thing that's very good at the beginning of the game and then become less becomes less good as the game goes on. And somehow, through this arcane system of everyone doing a different thing, I have to figure out a plan, a strategy that is arguable because you have to argue that like to another player by saying no this is good for you mm. you want this mm. and this isn't as good for me as you think it is so let's do a trade that kind of works for both of us you know because this will benefit and that 
over and over and over and over again. You are very much generally in games a control player rather mm. than an aggro player. <laughs> to use some magic problems. To use, to, well, I mean, yeah. I, I can't think of a better way of, of describing it. Like yeah. you are happy to start slow and build up and build up and build up and build up. Right? Yes. I, I'm more of an aggro player generally yeah. so i want to be able to do the things and do them now yeah, right? yeah, yeah i don't want to have to faff about so so the the style of your play mm. did not gel particularly well with your faction i think no it didn't but like here's the fun fun thing i as i and this is so typical of sidereal confluence <laughs> as i was playing i was like when i finished the game i didn't do well i came fourth out of six you know uh and I was like, oh, I know what I needed to do, uh-huh. right? I needed, because almost everything in this game is tradable. And again, another beautiful function of this game is that all deals are binding. Yes. You can make promises, yes. but you're bound to them, right? Mm-hmm. At very punitive costs as well if you don't fulfill them. So um, I needed to trade other factions converters mm. that i wouldn't be limited to run because there are people by the end of the game with so many converters because anytime anyone invents something in this game everyone gets it mm. and and the table becomes overflown with various cards Overflowed. i needed to find what other people had that they were not running and say look you're not running this yeah well this is similarly with with my faction so i don't remember the name of it uh, but i had these cards where i would trade them away to other players and it would mean that they weren't able to use a certain resource mm-hmm. but they would produce that resource yes right so and i don't think i was aggro enough weirdly enough because because i should have done them all at the beginning like i should have got as many out as i possibly could at the very beginning of the game when people didn't care so much about resources and what was weird was that nobody traded those away with each other do do you know what i mean so because that is a tradable resource i mean Mm. everything in the game apart from victory points is a tradable resource right pretty Mm. much so because i think in our review or in our in our game of the year video we said like you can trade away your mother or whatever um but everything apart from victory points is tradable and so you could like i could have given that or traded that card to someone they could have produced the resource for like a couple of round rounds and traded it away to someone else that didn't need that resource but it would have been helpful to them to have produced it. But I think there is so much going on and you are constantly thinking about, okay, what do I need to make? What can I make? Who is making the things that I need that, that, there's so much to keep track of all the time. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think I particularly did that, that well. I should have been like more, I'll give you this. If you give me this and don't worry, you can always trade it away to someone else late at a later time. I think that brings up a really important point mm. about sidereal confluence. So, like, like I said, I love I love this game. I'm blind to its faults, right? <laughs> like, I completely like uh-huh. I, it's just wonderful, right? But here's the thing about it, right? All the factions are so different and so bizarre and so unique and mm. and, and evocative of the setting, you know, um, that to really kind of get your head around it, you need to know all nine of them quite intimately Mm. and know and understand how each interacts with each other and know like the unwritten weird things that you can do with them, like to manipulate the game's dials in unspoken ways, Mm. you know, to make trades that are seemingly arcane and bizarre, but ultimately benefit you, right? Mm. So it needs like intimate, familiar knowledge, Mm. 
Now, what the expansion bifurcation does is it adds nine new ones. <laughs> and that is so monumentally bonkers. I think this game was bonkers to begin with, right? And that's why I loved it so much. I don't know if it needed another layer of bonkers. But but on a personal level, I'm happy that it exists. Because I love this game. And I love that there's more of this bizarreness. And, and, and kind of, for me, that bizarreness translates to joy, right? Pure, pure and unadulterated joy. Yeah, I, I just vibe with it. But do you feel the same? <laughs> I think it makes it come even more alive. I think the game is very alive as it is. It more than any other trading game that I've played. Quite often, if there is trading in a game, or like a like real time trading, mm-hmm. um, I am not very good at it. I'm not very good at speaking up. Uh, I sometimes we'll just sit back and sit out and be like okay let everyone else do what they want to do but this game is so very alive you want to talk to people and you want to get the resources you need because if you don't your engine is going to get worse and worse and worse or at least isn't going to get any better Mm -hmm. so you're going to be making the same amount of resources when everyone else is making much more or much better resources and i think but i but my point was the the new factions because they are offshoots of the old factions it it makes it even more alive because it's like the civilizations aren't just a homogenous mass of civilization they're not these people that always do this thing yeah like you know it's a bit like uh, when uh, you know my my problem sometimes with sci-fi or fantasy is that this particular type of people speak this language and are this way yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah. which is which we we do not live on a planet where that is true we are all humans and we are all very different we all have different cultures different languages different ways of doing things mm. right and and I think this introduces that, it, which is weird. Like, it almost introduces a more human element into sidereal <laughs> confluence. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I I think the, one of the reasons I vibe with sidereal confluence so much is because how wholesome it actually is, <laughs> right? Like, there is, there is an element of it that feels very progressive in that this is a very... And I'm not the only person to remark mm. on this, but this is one of the very few real-time negotiation games where making deals is always a positive for both players involved, yeah. right? Yeah. You will win if you prop each other up. Yeah. If you manage to make a good relationship with someone and, um, you know, kind of get into a zone of, like, this trading with maybe one or two people, you know, you are really elevating mm. each other. And that's really cool to have that. Now... This is where my perennial Zeph warning has mm-hmm. to come in. Oh, yeah. One of the factions, <laughs> the Zeph, I would highly recommend to not play with it, right? Now, we haven't tried, for that reason, we haven't tried the Zeph, the new version of Zeph, which is no longer a racketeering organization, but they're called like some charity something, nah. you know? charity conglomerate or something like that it doesn't make it sound good but basically i had two bad experiences where i played the Seth and i made people feel very bad Mm. and i i regret those times i thought i was playing my faction well Mm. no what i was doing i was making people feel uncomfortable Mm. right and i have learned to not touch the Zeph. do you think there is a way to play the Zeph that 
would not make people feel uncomfortable yeah so there is that way it is first of all with a big trigger warning Mm. second everyone's played this game a bunch of times Mm. before Mm. everyone knows what the zeth does yeah and and how they work and and what the deal is that someone is going to come over to you Mm. and say to you give me free stuff or i will hurt you Mm. that that is going to actively happen in the game over and over and over again (laughs) right yeah and then you can make the decision whether you want to play with that faction or not yes and if everyone on the table fully cognizantly not duped into it but fully cognizantly agrees to this then and only then play with the zeth otherwise consider this an eight not a nine player game Mm, mm. at the maximum player count yeah what Uh, what i sorry just to come back to like trading and things uh what i really do like very much about this game and the fact that trades are binding mm. is that you don't have to trade immediately Mm. so i can say to you well i don't have the resource you need now but I really need that resource that you have right now. Like, I really need it. So if you give me that now, I will give you something much better than, like, retail value. Yeah. In, like, a round or yeah. two rounds, maybe, because that's when I will get it. And mm. will that be okay for you? <laughs> yeah. I love that about it. Yeah, it's a really cool mechanism. And with that also comes donations, mm. right? So donations is this... Uh, uh, existing mechanism inside aerial confluence which is like you make resources that you have to give away Mm. you can't you Mm. make them but you can't have them you often make more of them than you normally would and people can see that they are donations (laughs) right so the way that impact trades is, is very very funky because if you can trade the donations one for one for the same resource that like you're just really winning there but you know if you make if if you make a promise, you'll say to someone, "Hey, I'll give you like I'll give you you know like a blue and a yellow cube for this yellow cube." Mm. You're like, but next round, you're mm. like, okay, and then you make them in donations and go here, have them yeah. right, like yeah. so this this sneaky things about it, but like the, the sneakiness is transparent and obvious because mm. everyone can kind of see what you're doing and can s- discuss this on a kind of like level headed way which I find very positive and very nice. Having said that, one of the new factions only makes donations. Right, right. Make it work. Yeah, yeah. Everything that you make, you have to give away, which is, is was made this situation where like, oh, okay, so this person has uh, yellow cubes, but they can't use them. Mm. But you have yellow cubes and you can use them, right? Mm. But if you trade those yellow cubes, you there is a net gain of zero, net loss of zero. Yeah. But now for you, but they have a net gain of one cube. Right? Uh-huh. But uh-huh. it doesn't matter for you. But they, you are still doing this trade that benefits them. But the overall trade like doesn't actually make any difference to you. It's really weird. It is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> but like, and I guess that that kind of sums up, you know, said your confidence. I yeah. love it. I, I, I think know. Having those different abilities, like the asymmetry is really what makes this game and the, the negotiation and the way the discussion. mechanisms of each faction thematically oh. reflect, you know, what it's they beautiful. do. It's, it's really beautiful. Mm. I would not recommend this game to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> i would not like it's my favorite game of all time mm. right it's a very niche weird specific thing that just ticks every box that i have mm. 
and and I enjoy it and love it. I can tell from this that you do as well. I do. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I will yeah. never get rid of my copy. I, I will love it forever. But it is such a specific thing and such an immense table hog. I will. Well, I yeah. do you know what? I don't know. I'm just going to put the, like the banner image is just going to be an image of the cards <laughs> or something like that, you know, like and what the table looks like. And it's going to be cropped out. Just, you know, look at the banner image for this episode and six yeah, you, times you that play it on a train no no, no that <laughs> you, would be that would, we couldn't play it on our table our no, huge table you might need the floor yeah did not uh, accommodate this game i would recommend this to people but uh if if it sounds interesting to you if this is something that sounds like your jam i would recommend it but i would recommend playing it with people that have already played it already know how to play it, and are kind and will teach you how to play it yeah not just not just teach you the rules but teach you what this game is about mm, yeah what the vibes are right. and what the ethos is and i just be be ready for a teach that's really weird because sidereal confluence teaches like no other game teaches mm. because what you have to do is you basically have to give people whatever faction they're playing and without like giving the briefest summary of how the game works just say sit read vibe with it mm. and eventually it will come and then do a second teach reiterating everything that you've already explained so there's a barrier to Be this game for a long teach yeah, yeah it's a long weird it's not just a long teach and it's yes, a long weird yeah, teach yeah. right because you can't teach this like a normal game no. because there's just way too much asymmetry you know like if you end up ex like root you have to end up explaining every faction exactly how it works because root is that precise yeah. it needs to be that precise with the conflict imagine root but like a real-time negotiation game but like mm. with you know nine possible factions mm. and again a possible nine player game that mm. could even be a thing you can't teach all nine factions to everyone everyone has just to sit there and kind of vibe with it and get get what that faction is doing and and sort of how the game flows before starting the game and then get an because the rules of the game are quite simple. First of all, ten minute round of everyone trading. You can trade whatever you want apart from victory points. Mm. That's the rules of that, right? Have my dog. Yeah. <laughs> if you trade away something that has your faction symbol on it, you get it back during the next round. Mm. But you know, otherwise the trades are permanent. Okay, trades are binding. Okay, you know, mm. like yeah, that symbol. Simple. Yeah. yeah. And then it says, oh, in the economy phase. Put things that it says on the left, they'll come out as different things on the right. You know, these two green cubes, small cubes, become like... A yellow cube. A yellow cube and another green cube mm. or whatever, right? Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I made Stuff. more cube. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, and, and then you have a bidding phase for new technologies, right? And new colonies, which also make you stuff. And then you have to invent. Oh, okay, wait a minute how does this all work right because suddenly there's all these asymmetries and rules and like what's weird so you can't trade victory points but like you can bid on a colony or a research team and that research team or that colony might bring you victory points right but before mm -hmm. it has you could trade it away so that the person that you trade it away to gets those victory points for that I know. So effectively, you're kind of saying, well, okay, I'm going to bid on that because you've got nothing that you have no ability to bid because you don't have the right resources to yeah. be able to bid. So I'll bid on it for you, which is what happened. I'll bid on it for you. 
and I'll give it to you, but I want this for it. Mm. And it's, it's like so intertwined. Everything is so intertwined. It's incredible. Well, I think it's very clear that we love Sidereal Confluence yes. bifurcation, uh, the new version, and we love Sidereal Confluence. Do not buy Sidereal Confluence <laughs> bifurcation if you've never played Sidereal Confluence. Trust me, Sidereal Confluence is game enough. Yes. Right? Agreed. If you feel like, okay, I've got the vibe of this down. I need more. Then mm. bifurcation is somewhere. It exists. It's out there, right? What a game. I, I love it. But I, I, I don't know if I can recommend it. That's all the games for this episode. Efka, what is on the bonus episode and where can people access it? For those of you who support us on Patreon, that is patreon.com slash no pun included, link in the description, we have a bonus episode every time we release a main episode. On today's bonus episode, we have our returning feature on the take where we talk about another trick taker. This time it's inflation. Um... That's inflation with an exclamation mark. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Wandering Towers, a very cool family-weight game. Thank you so, so much for listening. And lastly, I don't need to ask this, but what is the game of the episode, Efka? I should be a sensible person and say Age of Innovation, but of course it's You're not Sidereal <laughs> Confluence Bifurcation. And with that, why don't you say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine.